Day 9 of Mining Operation Kappa. Crew have such a different life from me. It's been the topic of a lot of conversation, which at the moment is keeping morale up. They keep asking me about my life in New York, and in just explaining the day-to-day, -day, I realize how different our lives are. For one, they cannot believe that I have never driven a car and that I have no desire to at all. <laughs> they seem absolutely fascinated by the subway, though. They think it's so funny that I pay for the business class train when there's a free one, and I tried to explain how the underground subway is terrible and gross and how amazing and beautiful the new business class subway is. I think they thought that was a little bit elitist of me, seeing as they are of the working class. I dropped it. They have been fairly interested in what it's like working corporate side, as they call it, and honestly, they all have the potential to lead expeditions in the future. It might be worth considering having them develop a training course for new miners. End of audio log 15. Yo, what is going on, you guys? This is your favorite host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And this is the Sticky Buttons podcast, where we talk about the games we love and what we're playing and just everything video games. So what, what is our topic this week, Blake? Bro, I wanted to know how you felt about game trophies. Okay. Like um, like trophies that you can get on like PlayStation or Xbox. Um, Nintendo doesn't really have a trophy system, but I just kind of wanted to know what you thought about that. Do you like them? Do you hate them? And do you like one over the other better, like Xbox or Playstations? Just what are your thoughts on them? Well... When I think about this, I think about the first time I ever got a trophy, and it was on the Xbox. I made a profile on the Xbox 360, my, on my uncle's Xbox 360 that I was borrowing. And um, I think I was playing Fable, Fable 2, I believe. Okay, okay. I have that game. I've, I've never played it. Never played it. Fable is a really good game. I really like What kind of game Fable. is it? Is it like a... Is it it's kind of a bit, a bit... Yeah, it's, a, it's an RPG, but like Skyrim um and it's just yeah it's it's this really cool world that you can get into um and i remember that was the first game i got an achievement in and i really i thought it was a great idea because you could see like oh i could get an achievement for this and for doing this and doing that and that and it's like you kind of understand the game from a different perspective you can like see kind of the, the way a game was designed and be played or accomplishments that a game is designed for you to achieve yeah definitely and definitely just give, gave me like a template and going forward i would love collecting trophies especially on the xbox i remember at a time i had a profile that had like sixteen thousand gamer score yeah, i was definitely i was definitely hoarding a lot of gamer score um and even till this day on my PlayStation 5, like on the new Spider-Man, I'm trying to get like trophies on certain things, trying to do certain things. That's awesome, so, man. That's really cool. How do you, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about trophies. Well, man, I don't know. I'm kind of, I have conflicting views, man. I will be honest. I do. I mean, obviously Xbox was kind of my first system that had trophies and I always kind of really enjoyed them. I thought they were really cool. Um, especially like when you're, the, the way that I kind of, looked at them is I only I never looked at them like I kind of looked at them when they came up but then I never looked back on them until I beat the game and then I kind of like just went through them and I was like oh like that was cool like oh I can't believe that I died in this obscure way three times and that's how I got this trophy or I like kill like I didn't even know that I killed this boss in like one run or whatever um or whatever it was and I just thought the Xbox did a really cool job about it because they put like the percentages next to it like the percentage of people that play the game that got the trophy. And I just thought that was so cool. Like I definitely have gotten some that are like one or 2% ones. And I just think those are like, that's so cool. However, I feel like um, now it's just, I'm just like, I'll play the game 15 minutes and it'll, it'll give me an achievement for getting past something. Or I just feel like I'll do something. And I'm like, Oh, like that was just part of the game. Like I'm moving the story to the next phase and it'll just like give me uh, like a trophy for something that just didn't feel earned. And I just feel like because they were so cool at the time, I feel like they've kind of just pushed past that and kind of become a little bit of annoyance. I don't know. I just feel like it's just a lot of clutter. It makes me think about another topic as far like that I just think about a lot 
with, with games in general. When I think about video games in general and just the difficulty and kind of what attracts people to a game. And I think over time, especially from like my experience with video games, this could just be me. I think over time, video games have gotten a bit more simple for lack of a better word. They've gotten a bit more just like mainstream yeah exactly like they're not the people who produce are producing these games understand you know what is the bare minimum that i have to do to sell this game at this price point and they're going to do that and then they might throw in like one or two like really amazing things but like yeah no i definitely kind of get where you're coming from man and i kind of i think there's kind of like two sides to this like i think there's like the one side where it's like we're doing less or when you hop into a game like you kind of know what it is because like mechanics or designs are like more streamlined just because of i mean games are existing for longer so like some things right. are just we more understand like, better yeah. mm-hmm. like some processes are more streamlined however i kind of get what you're saying though it kind of feels like they're a lot of the ideas are just kind of the same it kind of feels like if you want to pick up a first person shooter or a third person action adventure game like they all kind of have you know certain aspects and just because everything has it it can it's hard to make like some of them feel special yeah i totally yeah. get what you're saying on that i'm i kind of wonder if maybe that's just because like i don't know like the industry's consolidating and more and more of these triple a games are being produced by fewer and fewer companies but i mean it's also dude it's so expensive to make these games that i just yeah i don't know it seems like a yeah. lot of third third party publishers are just I don't know. It seems like they're getting a lot of third party publishers are getting acquired by first party companies like Xbox and um, Sony. Right. And, and why and why are third party publishers like outshining, you know, these triple A titles, um, you know, time and time again. And it's because it, these people who are making the games are truly putting in their time and, and effort and love into this. And it's not, you know, it's not something on a spreadsheet. It's just a pro- like a project, like what this podcast is for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, yeah, it's like we a want, passion project. we just want to come here and put this together for, for the people. Um, and, you know, games like, you know, I just think about like heart machine studios, shout out to all the awesome mm-hmm. people over at heart machine. Like that's an amazing studio. And you can tell everyone who works there, genuinely loves their job and and will put their all into a project and you can't say the same thing about an ea or you know well, a frostbite or like you know i i yeah i get what you're saying i don't think that it's it's maybe a lack of passion on the like in in those like triple a games when there are just like thousands and thousands of people working on them i think yeah. it's kind of just because of the process and the bureaucracy and because it's a lot of the times for profit endeavor it just seems that, I mean, the people themselves might be passionate, but they might not be able to express their free, like creative freedom and take ownership over a certain thing. Right. And yeah, I mean, that really comes down to direction and it, you know. Vision and like the mm-hmm. plans that, you know, EA would have for a title like Madden, for example. Like I'm sure EA could hire 10 people that would like, you know, introduce amazing things to Madden um, and make the game something unlike we've never seen before, but they, you know, they just wouldn't because that's not like the most business wise decision to give people an amazing product. And then now you have to follow that up every yeah. single year. Yeah, definitely, man. And, you know, dude, I really think that maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm, I feel better about checking out indies. Cause like, I, yeah. I feel like it's like a, a lower key studio, a lower key, you know, people that are developing it. And it kind of just seems like they're doing it because they have a creative vision. And, you know, it doesn't seem as, as much as a, as a for-profit endeavor, like a Madden or a, another sports game. But yeah, dude, I actually, I don't know if this is a, a good transition, but there's actually a, an indie game that I want to talk about today. Do you want to keep talking about this or do you want to, you know, move into an indie game? Let's talk about an indie game. All right. All right. But yeah, bro. So, oh my gosh. I, I actually, you, this this game has come up on the podcast before. Um, I haven't, 
talked about playing it. I kind of just talked about how excited I was for it. And this game is called Eastward. I don't know if you if you remember hearing about this. It game. sounds familiar. Yeah, so check it out. Check out the like the cover art if you have a second. Just Google Eastward. And this is a kind of a Nintendo only game right now. And I think it is coming to other consoles later down the road. And this is a for the most part, I think it was a, a solo developer, and I think they got other people on. And it's a an indie dem out of China, and it's being published, I think, by Chucklefish, which is a an indie studio or an indie publisher that has published a couple of games before. So here, let me see if I can find some Chucklefish games that have been published. I really like the art. It's a, it looks very like chaotic, but like contain at the same time if oh my sense. gosh dude i i i absolutely i love the art um and i want to talk about that in a second okay wow okay so it kind of honestly you might not know very many of their games but if you're kind of fo- have been following around or following around the the switch indie scene you'll probably um, know some of them obviously eastward and then there's this train called locomotive which that just came out a couple I don't know if it was a couple of weeks ago, but it's out now and they're hiring. So um, maybe send an application. Locomotive. <laughs> yeah. awesome. I like the name. Um, Starmancer looks like another game that they have. Um, Pathway, Time Spinner. Okay. So the, this is, this is the big one. I was like, I know there's a big one that they, that they published. They, they're the publisher of Stardew Valley. So, oh, I've heard it. We've actually spoken about Stardew Valley. On the yeah, call. yeah. So Stardew Valley is the the solo developer. I think it's is it Eric Barone. I think his name is, and he kind of solo developed Stardew Valley, and then he reached out for a publishing deal and got it with Chucklefish. And they've been bringing a ton of like super cool indie titles, um, you know, to life. Like they're a publishing company indie games reach out to them and they take care of the publishing and getting it on the other platforms for a small fee. And, oh man, I, I actually, I think that I had said previously, the only thing I had said about this game was that it was one of my most anticipated games um, of 2021. And I, I have been playing it since it came out. And the reason I haven't brought it up, Brandon, is I have really just been struggling on how to talk about it. And I want to say right off the bat, I absolutely, absolutely love this game. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's a 10 out of 10. And I just, I haven't talked about it because I, I, I struggled to talk about it with a couple people. And I actually had a phone call with a buddy and I talked to my girlfriend about it. Cause I was like, I just don't know how to talk about this. And because it, it kind of does things a little bit different um, than other games. And I, Oh, dude, I just, I just need to get into it. <laughs> um, so that's just the, that's just the preface, man, that it, it's gonna, it might be hard for me to talk about this because I'm struggling to, to kind of figure out how to explain it. Um, well, first off, it's like an isometric view and you look down and you can see the main character and there's two main characters, Sam and John. And John is a minor and Sam is a person um, that he he's kind of like she's basically his daughter um, they're not biological um, but basically he's pretty much her daughter and she's the she's the father and he's the father figure so that's Sam and John and oh my gosh dude you just start out in this like really cool post-apocalyptic world and you're like in the underground and like you know how in Star Wars like everything feels like retro and like nothing looks new but you kind of recognize what everything is. Yeah. It really hits that vibe. Uh, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look like Star Wars at all, but I'm just saying like everything looks retro and pieced together and it just, but it looks so cool and like peaceful and you just want to live in this world. And like, for example, like everybody in your town lives in a trailer, but then you have like a water collector on top of your trailer and like drips come down into a bathtub and then that goes into your, like right under your shower and it's just so it's just so cool like it's so just the vibe of it is just so cool and man it it is like truly like I say this a lot I say a lot of games are beautiful 
And I, I really do mean that every single time I say it. Um, and I'm kind of realizing a little bit more about myself and my preferences that I really like unique art styles. But dude, the art style of this game is like superb and probably the best pixel art game, like the most beautiful, stunning pixel art game I've ever played. I, I really think that it even tops Hyper Light Drifter as far as like like the beauty of it. Um, and yeah, it's just so cool, man. And I don't really want to spoil any of it. So I'm just kind of going to pretty much leave it at this. So basically, you, you're like an isometric adventure game, kind of like Zelda, like the old Zeldas. And you have this pan, and that's kind of like your weapon. And instead of having like a sword, you have a frying pan. And it's kind of funny, like all the, the items have like really charming descriptions. Um, like with the pan, it's like you can use it to cook up a great meal or wax and enemies and it's just pretty it's just so cool so vibey and everybody in the in the game like all the characters they're obsessed with this video game inside the video game and this video game is called earthborn and it's so cool because one of your first um like missions is you have to go and find a memory card and buy the memory card and <laughs> it's pretty cool and then after the memory card, you get like this cute little cutscene where your friend, like Sam's friends, which is the little girl, her friends are teaching her how to play this game called Earthborn. And it's just basically like a, a pixelated RPG inside of an RPG. And I don't know, I just think it's charming. And I love it when games put little mini games inside them. And there's like tokens that you can find and you can like pull it kind of like like you put a token in and it like pulls it pulls a lever and then you kind of like can pop this thing open and it's like this little figure and you can use that figure in the Earthborn video game inside the video game and it's really cool. Um, now here's the thing. This game um, gets pretty dark as far as w where it goes. I, I don't really want to spoil too much of it. But it's, I mean, it's in a post, it's, it's post-apocalyptic. So the apocalypse has already happened. Everyone's kind of living in these small, um, like, groups and tribes. And there's, uh, um, I guess, a, it's not necessarily a person, but there's apocalyptic events that continue to happen around you. And you don't know if it's related to Sam, um, which is like your daughter, and you don't know you don't really know. There's a lot that you don't know. And one thing that, that this is kind of what I was struggling to, to articulate um, is it the, the charm of this game is like the place that you're in. It's like all the people and the settings and like all the things you can interact with. And I don't know, just like living in, it's kind of just like living in this space in a video game is, is really cool. And it's really unique. And then the kind of thing that's that's crazy, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but basically that place and setting kind of just gets ripped from you. And that was what I was kind of like struggling to articulate is like, you have like the core of this game is like this time and place, and then you have to, to move on because you're, I mean, nothing can last forever and you just have to move on to the next thing and I don't know it's it's very laid back it's very chill and I don't know the characters are just awesome the art is incredible and everything in it is just it's just its own vibe like it is <laughs> as far as like different video games having different vibes like this one has a totally unique all of its own vibe and I don't know I just love it I'm excited to play more. That sounds awesome, bro. I, I'm, I'm excited to hear more about it as you check it out some more because it definitely seems like you already have some really cool takes on it. So yeah, and more about it. Dude, I would love for you to play this game, man. I mean, <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be something that you would really enjoy. Um, the only thing is like, this is kind of like, like, you know how like food, like sometimes like food is like really rich. And it's like, oh, I really like this, but you can't have a lot of it at the at one time. Yeah. I feel like this game is kind of like best taken in small chunks. So I remember, at least that's how I've been playing it. And then part of that is just because I've been traveling so much and I've been so busy. So maybe 
maybe I wouldn't have played it that way, um, you know, in a different time. But that's kind of how I've been ingesting it. And I don't know, man, it's just been so cool just to like jump into this, this other place that's totally unique in its own own thing. And it's super, it's super affordable because it's an indie game. It's like $23, which I just, I just love that. I love that it's not a, not a huge investment. And I think it's supposed to be like a 40 to 50 hour game. Yeah, indie, indie games are the way to go. And I'm excited to see what the future of indie games looks like. Like where, where is the market going to go? Are we going to see indie games start to outperform AAA titles in certain areas? Yeah, man, I think they already do. I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, I love I love indie games. I love AAA games too. Um, like AAA games can can do things that indie games can't, and I think vice versa. Just because of the, you know, the different elements of it. Like I said, or like we were kind of talking about earlier, I think that indie games really thrive in like the personal touch. And that personal connection and creativity. Yeah. Whereas AAA games really, um, I guess, in selling that like wow factor and like this is like like almost real, you know. Totally. Dude, I'd love to hear about what you've been playing, man. Man, I you're gonna love to hear this, man. I have been <laughs> I've been on the Switch. Yeah. I've been playing some Breath of the Wild. Hmm. Again, again, I'd love to hear that, man. Zelda and just appreciating the game more. It's funny how you can come back around to things and like just enjoy them differently. Yeah, um, totally. And and just learn more because you're a little more seasoned this time around. Um, mm-hmm. So I came back on the game and I was like a little lost as to where I was. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and do a whole new save. And and I did, and I'm grateful I did because I had just a better understanding of how to navigate that kind of beginning area and I tackled the cold area first got that out of the way made myself some some warm um meals that you know will keep me mm-hmm. nice and cozy so I can get through that area and now I'm moving forward to some some of the other uh what are those called statues the shrines shrines I'm moving forward to some more of them um and I'm just like really excited to play it. I just feel like I'm a lot better at just the fighting and just the looting and just I I, I just understand the game a lot more now and, and I want to play it a lot more. I find myself just thinking about it too. Um just wanting to be back in that world. It's such a well done game. Yeah, and it's, it really is, man. It's kind of underrated how like just yeah, the attention to detail they did with with it even just navigating the world and like little things like climbing a tree and like mm-hmm. picking things out of the tree. And even that's fun. Like it's, yeah, totally. it's, it's well made. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome game, man. I'd love to hear that you're jumping back into it, dude. How, how close do you think you are to getting off that, off the great plateau? I mean, I still got three more shrines to go. Um, and then from my from what i remember after the shrines you still got to do some more exploring like there's still some villages you know well i will i will say one thing man after they i will kind of i will kind of give you some advice man because if i was going to do it over again i would do things differently just because like the world's so big and the world's so vast um and i think that they really kind of take their time in giving you like the core mechanics and after you get the hang glider, which is after you get all, all three of those shrines, I think, and talk to the old man. After you get your hang glider, he tells you to go to this one village and talk to a person. I would pretty much, I'd pretty much go right there. If I were you, I'd pretty much go right to that village that he tells yeah. you about. And there's a shrine in that village. And that gives you um, the ability to parry. And it gives you the ability to backflip too. So those are like some really cool things that that I wish that I had knew I wish that I knew those were in that village because those are like core movement and combat abilities that they don't give you until oh, yeah. you yeah so I would I pretty much go right there but I think on the way there's kind of like a river that you can pass and I think on the river there's like a tower and if you can get to that tower you can get like another fast travel point you can get a ton of fish and then you can cook up some fish man 
I mean, those fish are those fish are good eating. Give you a couple health. You know, yeah, I love I love the fish um, and just the food mechanics behind the game. You can like hook up some pretty mean things. Bro, that's like, really cool. Battle. Have you ever made something that isn't eatable? yeah <laughs> eatable <laughs> edible it's funny either way you say that word it kind of like you know what it is yeah um yeah, yeah i love that that's I, just so uh, i made dubious food that just gave like two <laughs> things and i think i put choo-choo jelly in it and that's what made it so like not edible yeah um, i think if you put monster parts in with food it gives you like dubious food and it it's yeah. so funny because it just like it pixelates it out so it's kind of like <laughs> all like blurs it out <laughs> yeah I that's just it. so it's, funny man it's such a like uh like i bet you people who worked on that game probably still play that game like bro i'm still playing that game too man it's just one of those titles and i think all zelda games are like there's something about zelda people just really gravitate to that adventure that that story dude i'm gonna be honest with you man i kind of picked it up over over this Christmas holiday and I've been playing it as well. But what have you been up to? Oh dude, I don't want to make you jealous, man, because I'm I'm definitely yeah, I want to hear all about it. It's I'm, gonna be really excited. <laughs> I'm a little bit further in. So I'm kind of now I'm kind of getting like grasp on what the game is kind of wanting me to do. And I've I've conquered a divine beast at this point. So I went I went to a desert and there, there's this whole side quest. It's not It's like the main quest. You have to conquer each and every divine beast. And once you do that, once you conquer the divine beast, I think I conquered Nerobus. I I now have um, like a, I don't want to spoil it, but I have this like really cool fighting ability now. Actually, I, I don't, well, I don't know. Do you want me to tell you what the ability is now that I got the divine beast? Yeah. So basically, you know how like you can hold down and do like a, a power attack that uses your stamina. Yeah. Whenever I do that, I can now summon lightning. Oh shit. Is it like a cloud of lightning that it's like, like this spawns, huge or? ball? It's like this huge sphere sphere around you. And you can just like be like electrocutes all enemies within That's the so sphere. Awesome. I'm trying to think if in Smash Bros, when you play as Link, can you use any electricity? Well, it's not it's not necessary. Now, how you get that ability, I guess, is kind of a spoiler. So I won't say that. But that is the ability that you get, and you can use it. It's it's kind of weird. It's on a recharge. You can use it three times, and then it recharges. But if you use it twice, it doesn't recharge. So you have to like use it three times, and then it recharges. And it takes like a couple of minutes to recharge. So it's kind of weird. So you don't always have it. And but that's been really cool. I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I have a house now, so I have like a home in which i don't know just like something about like and it was like super expensive and it took me a long time to like get everything i needed for this house but then i as soon as i had the house i don't know dude it's like a home i have a home inside this game and every time i play it i go there and i just take a nap and walk around it because like one it's like so cute and then also you can buy um plaques that go on the wall so I can hang up three weapons, I think four shields and like three bows. So I have like, um, it's kind of cool because I have like uh, swords that light up that are kind of just like, like they just like look cool. And like one of them is like a wizard staff and they just like light up the room and it's really cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, a, I'm a, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit farther than you, but basically I feel like what you got to do in this game is I think you have to conquer those four divine beasts. And then once you get those, I think you can take on Calamity Ganon, Ganon. But I actually, dude, I, I stumbled across this one thing. It was really cool. It was a shrine. I'm sure you'll stumble across it because, I mean, there aren't too many shrines in the game. But, and you'll you'll know it when you see it. But basically, it's this, this shrine, and it says you need to, to grab the three balls to activate the shrine. And these three, like, spheres are on the necklace of these like huge ogre looking creatures. And basically you have to take out like these three huge ogre creatures to get access to the shrine. And that took me like the better part of like 45 minutes to an hour. And that was just like so fun. Cause it's basically, it's at the top of a hill and then there are three like valleys around this hill. And each of those valleys has like one, a, 
like three of these huge giants and they're all like cyclopses so i don't know it's really cool there's like random bosses like the boss the boss with the um the pinpoint laser that will follow you early on yeah those things and it's like is that part of a mission is that part like i'm i think those things um those things that like can kind of follow you around i i'm be honest man those things are really hard to take down and eventually in order to like upgrade your Sheikah slate, you have to, they give you parts and like, they give you like ancient screws or an ancient core or, or whatever. And though you will eventually need those to upgrade your Sheikah slate. And I, man, I I've taken a couple of them out, but they literally, they're so hard to take out because you have to like, Oh man, it's, it's really hard. Cause um, I, maybe I'm missing something. And maybe I need to like look, maybe I should look up how to beat them online. But basically, um, I found that you can get, if you can get underneath them, you can get underneath them a little bit. Like you can like freeze time around them and then kind of get underneath them. And then you can just do like the strong attacks. And, um, but I, yeah, you, you can take them out. I would say, honestly, dude, just run from those because like you have no, no need to take them on. And they're such a hard enemy. And I'm kind of thinking, because they're such a hard enemy, I've just got to assume that you're going to get something along the way that's going to make it easy for you to take those out. And I don't know what that is yet, but just because they're so challenging to take down, I almost, yeah, I would almost recommend I'm, just not even bothering with them. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what, what would you do? Like, would you block their, their initial shot and then just charge them? Or maybe yeah, I don't like know, a dude. fire bow? well dude that's the thing when i like when i took mine out i had like two or three swords that were like 20 damage and i used all three of them and then i used like half my arrows and i finally got it and like the fire arrows and the bomb arrows and just like wiped out my inventory of like all my weapons so i think that those i don't think those things i don't think you need to take them out right away maybe i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe Maybe I'm just doing it the wrong way. I don't know. Like maybe like an electric arrow or something could just like fry them. I don't know, dude, but they're, they're really challenging. And they're, so that's also like one of the things about breath of the wild is that area adjacent to the great plateau, I think is probably the hardest area. This is the hardest area I've been to. But then if you kind of go along the path of where they tell you to go, the enemies aren't as challenging there's a lot more things that you can explore. And I think that it kind of like, I think you can go anywhere, but I think it, it makes it easier if you go in an area that like you're meant to be in and then, then maybe branch out and go to the harder one and see how hard it is and kind of come back. So that's kind of how I've been playing it. Like I'll like kind of push the boundaries and then come back. That makes sense. Oh, totally. And I mean, I've gotten so many game overs at this point. Yeah, that is, yeah, that sucks. That sucks early on. And I'll just say, man, I, I think that I don't think you need to, to fight those enemies. And I think that you can just keep on going. And I think that that is what is frustrating about Breath of the Wild in the beginning is you think that because if you think that because you encounter something, you should be able to tackle it but I don't think you can. And I think that like they put them there so that you can just like move on. Like, I think that's kind of like, Oh, I can't take this on. I should come back here later. And it could be hard if you're like a stubborn player like me, who's like, I'm going to take this thing out. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. And I think the first time I encountered one of those, I kept like, I saved right before I like took it on. And then I think I like had a run where it was like, I just used every weapon in my inventory until it broke and I didn't kill it. It's like, and then I was like, you know what? I think maybe I should just come back later. So it, it's really weird because like you, do, I don't think you need to take those guys on. You know what I mean? Like you can just move on to easier. Yeah. It's like there are easier enemies on the assigned path. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And I, I definitely had some frustrations with that as well. I don't know if that made any sense. No, it definitely does. I think that that's like the beauty of it, but I think that that can also be a hindrance 
to you as a player in the beginning. Yeah, you can get lost in it. Yeah, and now I've got like a ton of stuff, and it's like I could probably take on anything I came in contact with. But I don't know. At the beginning, you just don't have like you don't like. There's so much stuff you don't have. So do you think you do you think you could take on Ganon? I don't think I could now. Maybe I really want to get the Master Sword. I haven't done that yet. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of have like a side quest that said something about a cool sword and a cool shield. And I just wonder if maybe I could go and get that right away. I don't know. I haven't checked. I haven't tried it. I haven't checked it out. I might try and do that next. I guess we'll see. Next time on Blake's playthrough of Breath of the Wild. Dude, I I think that I would say how how many, how long have you played it? In total, probably like 20 hours, 30 hours. Well, on your new playthrough. On my new playthrough? Oh, like four or five. Oh, damn. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that you should. I mean, everybody plays differently, but I think that you should probably be off the. Like, you could probably hit all three of those shrines in an hour, and then you could go to the village in like another hour. Definitely. Because it's like, so you can you can go so many places, but I just, I feel like that's where people get tripped up is in the part that you're in. So I feel like you should really just push past that and try to like get to the, get to what you haven't seen before. Because I bet you could, I bet you could get past where you were in like two hours. If that, like I, I feel like that didn't make sense. I feel like you could probably progress further in the story in the next two hours than you did in like 20. No, definitely. Especially like, I mean, we've talked about it in the pod before with Breath of the Wild, like the, just the first kind of like initial hump is like, yeah, very, dude, it's, it's really high. It's really steep. Yeah. It's very steep. Props to you for starting over, man. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> yeah. It was just like not attached to my last playthrough. That's awesome that you're giving it, giving it a fresh go. Yeah. I really think you should just push through out of that area. I'll make it out of there soon. But another title I've had my eyes on is Metroid Dread. Yeah. I've just been ever since I put up those Metroid posters in my room. Now, like the Metroid Dread, I read the latest Game Informer mag, and I oh. saw that Metroid Dread made its way to like a bunch of people's list, top ten list for the mm-hmm. game game of the year. Um, and I was like, man, I really gotta check out this title. I did talk about wanting to play it before, so it's time I stop talking about it and start and just pick it up. Yeah, have you played any other Metroids? I've only played the the vintage one on the um, SNES thing. That okay, Nintendo Super Switch Metroid. You. Super Metroid. Did you I get all the remember, way through it? No, I didn't. I, got, I played a, a fair amount. I do remember also playing on the DS a Metroid title, and I really, really liked it. It scared me even yeah. as, a, as a little kid because it was such a, like, just the world of Samus. Because mm-hmm. um, Ridley is pretty scary, like the minions and whatnot. Metroid is just such like a cool such a cool franchise you know I do it for a while yeah I pretty much have only played that Super Metroid one too on the Switch on the Switch SNES but dude I would love to hear I would love to hear about you playing the the new Metroid I I hear it got a lot of acclaim so yeah and dude honestly I you you get the Game Informer magazine I do I signed up for I thought I was like you know what I got a video game podcast so I signed up for it at GameStop not too long ago. That's all. I've, I've been thinking about it, man. I love Game Informer. I listen it's a to good idea. Much, I listen to all their podcasts, man. Shout out, shout out to Game Informer. Dude, I I didn't realize this until I got out to uh out to New York, but they're they're like a video game uh news company that that's all I think it's based out of Minnesota. Like it's out of the Midwest. And I thought that was really awesome. Really? Let me check. Yeah, Minion, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I just think that's so cool, man. I think that's awesome. A lot of like IGN, like they're out in New York. I just think that's awesome that they do it out of the Midwest. So shouts out to Game Informer. Their stuff is pretty awesome. They have a Game Informer podcast. Um, if you like pod, game, po- <laughs> if you like gaming podcasts, <laughs> we got a, uh, I think it's Game Informer show. They also have an all Nintendo one called All Things Nintendo. And they have like video game which i think is one that they just started and it kind of like goes over the history of games which they actually did they just did one about the whole metroid series which was really cool because i didn't really know like a ton of like i basically didn't know anything about metroid and that super metroid one i think that's the third game did you know that i thought that was like one of the first 
I didn't know. I didn't know it was their third one, but I'm not surprised that it sells. It's a fun game. And I play a lot of Samus on Super Smash Bros. You know that. Yeah. That big, that big ball, that big blue ball. Mm-hmm. It's the ball of death. Catch people <laughs> walking with that one. Don't let me hit you on one of those, Blake. <laughs> hey, man. Maybe if I'm can, is that one of the abilities you can suck up as Kirby? Yeah, no, you totally could eat it as Kirby. <laughs> I might do that, man. Kirby yeah, eats it, Kirby. and I, I think Kirby can save it, can store it, and oh, um, like spit it back out at you. No, if it's your first time eating it, that's how you turn you. It turns you into a Samus Kirby, but then if you're a Samus Kirby and you eat it, you can fire it back. That's cool. I love Kirby, man. Kirby that's that's probably probably my main in Smash Bros. Kirby is tough. I like Kirby. It's so cute, man. Dude, I'd love to hear some of uh, some of your thoughts about it, man. Some of my favorite games are inspired by the Metroid genre. Like for example, Jedi Fallen Order is it's not necessarily like 2D like action. I guess like the like the 2D like side scrolling um, platforming. It's not that. It's but it's like in design in the because it's like a third person action adventure. But the, like the Metroid design of it is kind of just like you have to go to one area and then you get an ability and then you come back and you can go down another pathway that you couldn't before. I've really been realizing that a lot of Metroid games have inspired some of my favorite games. So I'd love to, to maybe jump into those or hear you talk about it. So at least you'll hear more from Zelda and Metroid from us in the future. Definitely. You're definitely going to hear some more Spider-Man stuff too, man. <laughs> Spider-Man Miles Morales, been playing that a little bit here and there. I just love getting in there swinging, doing some cool swing tricks. Dude, I might have to hop back in. Might have to, man. Well, actually, dude, you might get some more get some more Marvel content from us because I just uh, downloaded Guardians of the Galaxy on my P5. Man. I'm so excited to jump into that. I might jump into that tonight, man. Got a lot of things on the horizon for 2022, man. We also... I don't know. Do you want to say anything? We're, we're also kind of checking out some uh, some retro some retro consoles. So might have some might have some content on that pretty soon. Some some retro console content. Actually, dude, we've got a little bit a little bit of time left. Can I tell you about this 3DS game that I've been playing? Go for it, bro. Okay, I want to know if if you've heard about this game first. So the game is called Professor Layton, the Azra or Azran Legacy. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I never. Here, actually, I got the I got the case right here. Let me grab it. These are Professor Adrian the game legacy. It's like what? What'd you say? <laughs> I was just saying, like he just pulled out like a really long title, and I was like, I've never heard. <laughs> it actually it is a lot of words. Um, yeah, so it's <laughs> Professor Layton and the Azran Legacy. I did say it wrong. Uh, but this is it right here, man. I've got the whole 3DS thing, got the cartridge, got the case. It's it's 2022, man. How much do you think this this ran me? This 3DS game. That 3DS game ran you 39.99. Oh man, that would be that would be a great guess. Um, but it is more than double that. I, Whoa! <laughs> I know, dude. Whoa! I know. I paid I paid eighty dollars for this game. Whoa! Okay, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> um and you know honestly i picked up i've been picking up a lot of ds games a lot of 3ds games recently most of them are under 20 bucks a lot of them are under 10 dollars. and this one for some reason um i checked out the art of it i just checked out some gameplay and i was like i really want to play this game and i have actually i have a whole list of games that i want to check out from the 2ds and 3ds library and this one is on there and i had no idea until i saw it in a retro gaming store and it was 80 dollars. i was just blown away like i was like maybe they're gonna say 60 but it was like behind the case and turns out dude 80 dollars is a great deal because if you're gonna try and find this online you can't even find it for less than 120. wow i don't know why i'm assuming it's just because it was a limited run i think it's kind of an indie game for the 3ds and there just weren't a lot of physical cartridges and I don't think you can do a digital download on it. Maybe I should have checked that before I before I bought it. But <laughs> um, I got it anyways, man. And I'm only a couple hours in, but worth every penny at this point, man. Which is which is crazy um, to say since it's like twenty dollars more than a full price game. 
Um, so do you know anything about this this franchise or this game at all? I've never heard anything. Dude, okay. So it's basically Professor Layton is um, kind of this like traveler. Uh, well, I guess he's a professor, like an archaeologist. And basically it's a puzzle game. And you, it's, it's unlike any game I've ever played. I mean, you know me. I like games that have unique art styles. And this game, sure. is, this game is really, really cute. Like the characters, um, just Google it really quick. Google Professor Layton and you'll kind of see what the characters look like. And I mean, I'll show you Brandon on the cover art, but they kind of just, they look like that in the game. And they're just like stylized versions of like, let's say take like 18th century attire and just bring it up to today. So like, he's got like a top hat from like the 18th century, the main character and like, um, like suit jacket that has a crazy collar and like a, like a brown sweater underneath. And you have like kind of <laughs> two companions. You have like a little guy that's your apprentice, a little apprentice and um, an assistant. You kind of just go around solving puzzles, man. It's just, it's really vibey. And it's, it's kind of crazy because this game, like you use the touch screen all the time and you can't really, it's, it's kind of weird. It's not really like you don't walk around as the characters, you tell them where to go. Like you touch the touch screen and that tells them where to go on a map. And then on the top, um, it's like what they see. So it's like, imagine you're on a street in a, in a fantasy world and you look up and you can just see the street. And that's what they see as the characters in the world. So it's like, you're kind of like first person view, but it's like kind of like a, a graphic no- or not a novel. Well, I guess it kind of is. It's kind of like a novel to where like you can click on things and then it like, gives you dialogue to read and then you find puzzles so it's kind of like a a puzzle novel experience but it's it's really cool it's been very cute very heartwarming so far and we just met some some suspicious characters so i'm excited to see where the story goes you have you gotten through it so far with little to no help yeah but here's the thing man i will say this the puzzle like one the first two puzzles were really hard and I don't know if maybe I just was like oh I haven't solved the puzzle in a while or if like it got easier but they had like the first two puzzles were like the easiest rating and then the next puzzles were hard like a rated harder and I thought the ones that were rated harder were easier but like for example oh man actually I, I actually took a screenshot of it because I, I texted it to my sister <laughs> I was like hey what do you get for for this puzzle and I just thought it was so funny because we basically got the same thing and, and the the problem was what we had got was not an answer that you could have put because it was basically a math problem so it needed a numerical answer and i got 333 or 335 and my sister got 333 the only problem is you could only enter two characters so i was like we're we're wrong on this that's not what they're that's not what they're wanting so this is kind of the character. This was a kid on the street that you encounter and she gives you this puzzle. And it's, my friend gave me this birthday present, but it was delivered in a block of ice, which also, I guess, just to put it into context, the town that you're in is like a frozen tundra at the top of the world. And you got there and like this very stylized blimp plane. And it was just so cool. It was like a very cool cutscene, very cool cinematic, very vibey. And it says the card that came with it said, you can use five 150 milliliter cups of hot water to melt 30 grams of ice. And that I'd have to work out how many cups of hot water are necessary to melt the two kilogram ice block that surround it. Can you help Prima work out how many cups of hot water are necessary? Basically, I did the, did the math. It was like 335. My sister got 333. And is a two two numeric answer or you could only be two decimals right so what what do you get what do you get out of that puzzle brandon <laughs> off the top of my head um i would say 65 uh, you'd be wrong um the answer the correct answer was zero because which i was, I was just pissed i mean like why well, I, I after both me and my sister got 330 I was like, you know, I think that it's probably like an answer where it's like, oh, you only need one cup because you can just refill it up. So I did one and it was wrong. 
and I didn't want it to count against me. So I like restarted my save file (laughs) (laughs) right right before I answered the puzzle. I was like, okay, like it's something else. And you can like get hints and stuff. And I didn't Did you get but zero it, eventually. Yeah, it's zero. And it's basically um, basically it was like this whole thing. It's like, oh, your 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 friend gave you a present. She probably doesn't want you to spend your whole birthday trying to figure out how to open it. Just go place it by the fire and it'll melt in an hour. What? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> like, how would I ever? I don't know. I kind of zero was my next answer. I was like, she just is not gonna melt it. Like use something else. And which that that's kind of what it was. And but after like I kind of got in that mindset of those kind of puzzles, I was like, okay, like game on. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. It, it's very chill just to like kind of come into this like book-like experience that's very stylized and just kind of have cute interactions and solve puzzles. So I can see why I can see why people like this game. And I think this is the third one in the fran- franchise. I think it's the third in the last game, probably. I think. Oh, also something else that I didn't didn't mention: the soundtrack is out of this world. I w- I would say probably one of the top soundtracks I've I've ever experienced, just because it, it just fits the mood of the game so well. Like it really is kind of like lo-fi, and you know me, man, I love love my lo-fi beats. So just kind of just sitting there, love it. Yeah, they've got a couple games. It looks like a couple of them didn't get English releases. Yeah, let's say they let's say they have three, three, three or four games that got English releases. Very cool. Definitely worth checking out if you can or if you have access. Um, I know it's kind of hard just because, like this this cartridge is super expensive right now, which that just kind of sucks. Very glad I was able to pick it up, and I'll, I'll have to tell you more about it at another time. It's been a hell of an episode. We talked about a lot of games. We spoke on when we started off talking about, you know, AAA titles versus indie games and trophies and trophies. What we what our thoughts were on trophies. Um, I, I spoke a little bit about Spider-Man, um, a little bit about Breath of the Wild. Blake spoke a little bit about how far he was on Breath of the Wild, about Professor Layton. Eastward Pretty- baby. Any eastward as well? Anything else I missed? Brandon is uh, trepidatious about picking up Metroid. Metroid, yep. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. Trepidatious. Just learn a new word. Great episode. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Yeah, hey, and, thanks Thanks for checking us out. And, listening. and check out the Instagram. Check us out on Patreon. Please support us. And we, YouTube we love as well. Y'all. We got some couple y'all. videos out there. Keep playing video games. And peace in the streets.